In Lingua Podcast Live from Dessau is broadcast from Middle Deutschland and features all things languages. The show is hosted by our teachers, presenting students and guests from all walks of language learning experiences. Joining us today for the next episode of Enlingua Podcast live from Dessau is Joni. So Joni is currently in Canada. She has been working for Enlingua, Enlingua Halle since 2009, right? Uh, now you're back in Canada. Um, how's Canada today? <laughs> Yeah, well, we're heading into a wonderful season. It's fall and the colors of the leaves are changing. So uh -huh. for the next weeks, we're going to just enjoy that time of year with the beautiful fall colors. Okay. Yeah. But I have to say it's not my favorite time of year, actually, because uh, I always find it's it's in between cold and hot. So mm -hmm. you never know whether to dress for summer or fall. But uh so before you came to Germany in 2009, um, what were you doing? Well, actually, I had a career in television. Okay. So I was a continuity writer for television at CBC Television. Okay. And um, so, yeah, I, this was before I had a change of heart where I just my heart told me, you know, um, I want to be a teacher. Like I had always been told by my mom, you should be a teacher. Okay. And my little nephew, even my little nephew um, said to me, you should be a teacher. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't, I want to be a teacher. And then one day I woke up and I said, you know what? I want to be a teacher. Okay. So I looked into teaching English as a second language mm -hmm. and, um, and I went there and they had their opening session information session and i signed up and they talked about different places you could teach in the world like uh, taiwan or china south korea mm -hmm. and um yeah they were more focused on that and i said but i would like to teach in europe okay <laughs> and um they said oh it's very difficult it'll never happen <laughs> i'm like because they were supposed to train us and then place us you know and okay, they so is, this a, is this a Canadian organization? Yeah, it could. Yeah, it's a Canadian organization. Okay, like so a teacher's it, association or a, a teacher's... teacher's call. It, yeah, so that we're teaching English as a second language. So okay. I was like, oh, hmm. So they, so they kind of just kept pushing me towards, you know, Asia or Taiwan. Mm -hmm. and, um, I said, I would like to teach in Europe. Okay. And I found a way to do it. I don't even really know how it happened. It's just one day in, into my, I was sending, started sending things out. Mm -hmm. And one day into my email box came um, an email that said, you're looking for a um, job teaching English in Europe. And then they just gave me a list of jobs. Okay. And so, <laughs> so I started applying. I actually was offered um, jobs in different countries in Europe. In uh, Luxembourg, mm -hmm. Belgium, England, and Germany. And okay. I was offered a job in, in South Korea, but I could never picture myself teaching in South Korea. When I tried to picture myself in the classroom, I couldn't. 
And okay. so I said, I think I will take the job in Germany. Had yeah. you had you traveled to Germany before? Yes, I had traveled to Germany, you know, how we do it in after university, you go on a European tour, you know, um, like 10 countries in okay. two months or what have you. Right. But I always because my middle name is German, Erica. Okay. Okay. Um, I just ever since I was little, I was fascinated by things German. Like I'm just was a big Germanophile. Interesting. So, I had a lot of German friends. I, okay. I'm the only one in my family that likes sauerkraut. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I said, it's meant to be. <laughs> I have to be in Germany. Okay. So when you were getting the uh, notifications or the, the, the job applications, did it come from in lingua Halle? Yeah. And then, um, so I pursued that job and mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was a job posting I think from Inlingua mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly how it happened but I think okay. that, that was it and I just sent out my my application okay fantastic and, um, yep and then I was on a plane to Germany to Halle to this place I looked it up uh -huh. <laughs> and I didn't I, I knew one person in Leipzig I had one friend who we became friends um when she was studying here but i knew okay. no one and i had to look it up on this map okay and i said well it's close to berlin it's not far from dresden and um yeah here's this little place called Halle. so when you landed in Halle, do you remember your first impressions yeah i mean i think it was exciting i just remember being on the plane and sort of the quality of the sunlight, the sun was just rising, we're above the clouds, you know, and feeling this feeling of anticipation. And then when I landed in Hala, it seemed, um, it seemed like friendly, you know, mm -hmm. it seemed a, a warm place to get to know. It's not, wasn't this huge city where you feel immediately lost. Right. Um, it, it already felt a little familiar, though, obviously, it was my first time being in Hala and I knew nothing about it. Uh -huh. So I love the Marketplatz in Halle. I like the, the, the medieval Gothic like church and like, um, you know, it's around it, it has like this well-defined Marketplatz. And I when I first went to Halle, I had a friend who lived there as well. I was yeah. really, I was, I was really impressed with with Halle. I, I actually like that city a lot. Yeah, and I enjoy it's, going there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really um, there's so much history and culture in this mm -hmm. region, and even connected to Halle mm -hmm. that it's like each moment I discover something new about Halle, and it's it has been fascinating over these years that every time I think I know something about Halle, I discover something more. Okay. Uh, just to say about the cobblestones, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's wonderful. And especially when you're standing there in the market and it's um, especially during the winter markets, um, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But the ice on those cobblestones are treacherous to walk on. And I have ruined so many pairs of shoes with the heels getting stuck in those cobblestones. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks you know, romantic and everything, but practically it's really difficult walking on those cobblestones sometimes. So in 2009, did you have any uh, German language skills when you came in 2009? 
I had taken a German course at university, mm-hmm. but uh, I just knew a few words. Okay. And so I basically had to learn German. Okay. And it it was an interesting it I mean it was an interesting kind of undertaking to be able to try and and learn German. And so, what was that process like? Did you how did you go about learning German? I guess that's a better question. Yeah. Well, I I don't think I had a very structured uh, approach. Okay. I just felt, okay, these few words can carry me. And I just started picking it up as I went on, like do my shopping. And so all the words were there in German. Um, I would watch television shows. My favorite shows were Das Perfect Promi Dinner. Okay. (laughs) And um, Verbotene Liebe, I think it was... uh, soap opera and so I would just watch different shows to try Mm -hmm. and familiarize myself immerse myself in hearing the language and cooking shows were great okay because if they said then they would show you that they're stirring something or if they say then they they hold up the bottle of olive oil so this was great and then you go to the grocery store and all the signs are in front of the fruits and vegetables so you can Mm -hmm. see what it is and you can learn the words. And so I started it that way. Okay. And then, um, then with a few colleagues, we tried to get a structured course, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, you get sort of caught up with teaching and you don't have many hours to devote to a course. I think in lingua helped us with that, you know, offered us, um, a little bit of German, um, with one of the German teachers and, Mm -hmm. but it was like, you know, always a kind of thing where I had to put off my German learning. And then I found a course at the university and something always kind of interfered with this more structured approach. So I just found that I had to, so every now and then I'd have a bit of structure and Mm -hmm. then I would pick it up along the way. Yeah. I mean, being immersed in the city, being immersed in the culture, in the country, that probably helped out a lot, like more than, than we think. Right. Yeah. Like my, I don't speak German and, uh, but my comprehension skills are not okay. Maybe a two basic, basic. Right. But, um, I mean, now I, I find like, I had a, I had a conversation with our manager the other day. She was, she was, you know, speaking to me in German. I understood what she was saying. I was responding in English She's responding in German. So my comprehension is like, it's, it's not zero, but I don't, I don't speak. <laughs> yeah. It's, it uses a whole other part of the brain. I think my comprehension far surpasses my sometimes use of the language, but um, I think the brain is constantly creating these connections. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I feel like even though my, I guess, structured, more academic, approach is not there it's like my brain is understanding and and sort of running its own uh, mechanism it's its own motor so that I'm picking up these words somehow in the right order and putting them together so when I communicate with friends and I write and I'm like I'm not even thinking about it I'm just writing something and it comes out right and I say oh they haven't corrected me so I must be right Mm -hmm. so my brain continues to learn even while I feel I'm not really learning I don't know how to explain that but yeah yeah that makes perfect sense I think 
it, my language skill has grown since I've left Germany somehow without trying. I try to listen to something in German every day. Okay, that's nice. Um, yeah. When you arrived, uh, did you live with, did you live by yourself or did you live with roommates? Okay, yeah, this is interesting. I said, you know, I need to find my own place. Okay. Know? So, um, yeah, at first I found a temporary place, but mm -hmm. that was just myself. And then one of my friends helped me find an apartment. Okay. And so that was also an important step because then you knew you were really going to be staying. I only ever thought I was going to stay for one year. I said, I'll try it out. Okay. You know, because I was offered this job in South Korea. I said, I don't know if I should be here or in South Korea or if Germany will even work for me. Mm -hmm. So I had bought a return ticket. And my return date was like a year from, from the date that I arrived. Okay. And I said, if it works out, I stay. If it doesn't work out, I have my return ticket. Okay, that's, a safe, then, that's a safe plan. Yeah. Yeah. And so then nine years later, <laughs> I was I guess there. It, it worked out. I guess it worked yeah. out, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, it's a big... I mean, the office in Lingua, the office is, is right downtown, right? It's, it's right in the marketplace. It's a great location. It's a great location. Did you enjoy walking to work every day? Like going through the, I mean, I mean, it just, cause you're walking in the center every single day. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I enjoyed walking every day. It took me maybe 10 minutes and mm -hmm. everything that I needed was within a certain, um, you know, circumference. Like okay. I didn't have too far to go in either direction. All the things important to me were five or 10 minutes away, mm -hmm. no more than 15 minutes away. And um, so I enjoyed walking in every morning. Sometimes I ran in because <laughs> I, I started um, running um, okay. when I had never been a runner before. Nice. But one of my colleagues um, who's since moved back to Great Britain had challenged us, me and another uh, an American uh, colleague of ours. Hey, you know, why don't we start running, you know, and then we can we can do a marathon. And in Lingua actually was um, was helpful in sort of my growth or journey and growth as a runner because nice. we started training. And the first run I did was um, a um, 5K. Okay. And it was in Lingua who knew that there were several of us who were interested in sports and we were running. And so... Um, they said, came in one day, there was this big poster about an airport run mm -hmm. and who would like to sign up and they would support us in that. And so they had t-shirts made for us and a, a bunch of colleagues came out to root us on. And there we were running at this airport run representing in Lingua. So there were other organizations okay. um, being represented by their employees. And in Lingua, it was amazing because it was really that team spirit. And I, I have always felt like a great team okay. at in Lingua. That's good yeah. to hear. Yeah, that's really nice to hear. Uh, did you guys win? Did you did you place first, second, third, fourth? Oh, no, I'm not that fast. I think so. I mean, like you should probably run like, for instance, um, a 5K in under half an hour, you know, yeah. and probably 15 minutes if you're 17 minutes, if you're very fast. Like, yeah. but um, but the whole point is like it just kept my growth. Then after 5K, I did 10K and then okay. we worked our way up to half marathon. So I did a half marathon. 
So came to yeah. Germany, first job, picked up running. That's nice. First yeah, job as an English was, teacher, yeah, and picked up running. That's nice. Was, and running, I would just run by the river. So mm -hmm. the river Zala is mm -hmm. there, right there. And um, so I would run before work. Okay. In nice. the morning. Yeah. Did, so what kind of classes did you teach at in Lingua in Halle? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess everything from 1A to to 4A. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess beginners classes, mm -hmm. um, absolute beginners, um, or for more intermediate, okay. and also advanced or people who wanted to brush up their skills, or prepare for job interviews. Okay. I mean, I've even taught young people who have come, you know, because they need to make up an extra course um, for their school. And so now they have to do a presentation and we okay. kind of coach them through that. Okay. So I guess I've been able to teach the whole spectrum, you know. At, which at did game. you like? Yeah. Which did you find uh, maybe not better to teach, but um, which did you enjoy teaching more like business English courses or just general English courses? Oh, yeah, it's true. I mean, I, in both. I mean, I just everything that I, you know, progressed into, mm -hmm. I just enjoyed. Okay. You know, and then I would prepare people for the exams, for the TELC exams. And right. of course, you know that in the qualification sure. to do that. I did one and yesterday. <laughs> you did? <laughs> I did. I did yeah. a B1. I did a B1 TELC test yesterday with a student. Um, he finished yeah. from the Arbeitsamt. Yeah. And yes. he, he was B1. So it was good. Okay, and is that still being done online, Scott, or or was it virtual? Uh, we have shifted a lot of courses to online, but mm -hmm. um, some courses are still face to face. Yeah, I'm still driving to. Okay. Uh, well, that's good, and things are opening up more. Yeah, yeah. So I'm driving like two or three times a week to businesses, and our other colleagues are also traveling to businesses. So. Um, it's not back to 100%, but it's, it's getting a lot better. Yeah. So in your nine years of, of working with Inlingua, um, do you have any memorable stories that you would like to share? Well, yeah, I mean, um, there's one, oh, a few. I, I'll, I'll give you a few and you'll see which one you could keep. But okay. um, I almost wanted to talk about when we talked about running, uh -huh. a funny story. Because, um, you know, as much as you teach the students, you learn from them as well. Mm -hmm. And I would always talk about um, the Obamas, you know, Michelle and Barack Obama. And, um, and just to encourage the students, I would say, yes, we can. You know, you're doing mm -hmm. the unit can able to. And mm -hmm. so I would like write on the board. Yes, we can. So one of my students or clients said to me one day, you know, I think um, somebody he knew works for MDR. Okay. And said they are looking for someone at the opera house in Halle to play Michelle Obama. <laughs> and... <laughs> And they said, I think you need to go there. And, um, and I said, well, I, I don't know. And they said, you should go. 
Okay. So I had thought about it, you know, I kind of was like, wow, how, how would I do this? This is like so random. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, why not? It was a Friday afternoon. Um, I walked up to the opera house and to the um, stage, stage entrance. And mm-hmm. um, so the security guard opened and I said, well, I hear you're looking for someone to play Michelle Obama. And so I'm here to inquire about that. And he said, oh, yes, I know. Um, I will give you the name of the publicist and, and the phone number. So they gave me the name of the publicist and the phone number. And I went home and, well, I think it was sitting on my table the next day. I said, okay, maybe I can call now. So I called the publicist. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, yeah, I hear you're looking for someone to play Michelle Obama. They said, yes, we want to meet with you. When can you come in? So can you come in on Monday? So I said, okay. So after my classes at Inlingua, again, I went up to the opera house, you know, wearing my my sister's favorite dress. Okay. <laughs> it was covered with flowers, you know. And I walked in to the, um, I guess, to the room Mm -hmm. and then they just looked so there was the artistic director the publicist and an assistant and when I walked in the room they said Michelle and (laughs) you know they started talking to me about a few things and how I would I like to you know join and so on and so I said okay you know I'm on board and they sort of um squirreled me through the streets and uh you know, they, everything was like top secret. <laughs> so here I was going to be Michelle Obama. So, um, so it came now the first night that I was to be on stage. Okay. And I only had one line and they had a <laughs> guy from Columbia, a guy from Columbia playing Barack Obama, but okay. he had, he had no lines. And, uh, but I had one line mm-hmm. and, um, so it's, I'm going to tell you that line in a minute. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so, um, so the line is, um, th- uh, where are we? This is not Leipzig airport. And who is this man? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was my one line. And then, uh, so I would have to say that every night uh-huh. for like, the next um, or two or three nights, you know, mm-hmm. whenever the performances where they were scheduled. Mm-hmm. And I did that for one year. But wow. the point is that the very first opening night was the only performance, which I told them in advance, I will not be able to, to make the opening performance because I'm already scheduled for something okay. that I cannot change. So they put, um, they put somebody else in, in the role. And I think they used Max Factor bronze makeup <laughs> and, you know, put her on for that one night. And you know what that event was that I could not change? It was the airport run in Leipzig. <laughs> really? <laughs> really. So here I am doing the airport run. And my line is, where are we? This is not Leipzig airport. And who is this man? <laughs> so what was the, what was the play about? I mean, like, well, well it, it was called the Bluma von Hawaii. Okay. So um, 
it was like a, a micro, micro or like small operetta and they had rewritten little parts, I guess, just to make it feel fresher and more relevant. So they wrote in this part. Where the Obamas uh, are the visiting. Obamas. Okay. And so, yeah, I had bodyguards on stage, you know, my own dressing room. <laughs> and we even went to Switzerland. We toured like uh, in Winterthur and I was in Zurich and Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is this is a big thing. I mean, you you had to do this every night for one year? Yeah, I wouldn't say you... every night. So okay. it, it turned out like maybe some weeks it was maybe twice that week and then for okay. a few weeks nothing, but I mean it, it went according to the program schedule for the uh -huh. for the opera house in Halle. Okay, so you got to travel to different countries? That's amazing. Yeah, so I got and to just, travel. And just and just saying like three sentences. <laughs> Three sentences, and I had uh, I, I had uh, bodyguards on stage. That was part of the scene, very dramatic. And they walk on with with you know black suits, and they look like men in black, and the sunglasses. And one of the one of the gentlemen also was from Canada who, okay. who played my bodyguard. So interesting. And um, yeah, that was the one line for an entire year. Well, congratulations! You are a opera star. <laughs> So really, you know, getting part, uh, getting into the community and mm -hmm. teaching, you know, and in lingua, um, uh, you can't help but integrate right. yourself into the community. You're, you're teaching people who are citizens of the country. And, mm -hmm. and in some way, there's that social element where you're able to integrate. And that's, yeah, so that's very like important. Yeah, that's that's that that's actually a really nice segue into the next question. Like, like, how did you enjoy your life living in Halle? Yeah, there were things to get to get used to it. I mean, you know, first again with the language, you know, mm -hmm. being able to to shop and not having the vocabulary or the words. Right. And I just remember going into a, um, an organic store, mm -hmm. and I wanted to find. Um, I wanted to find an item and I didn't know the word. Okay. So it's something I always um, talk about with the students. Like you can't give up. There are different ways to describe, like use the words that you have. Right. And then when you're failing that, you can always mime or draw a picture or something, but you, and, you can always be communicating. Right. Did you use your smartphone at all? Like showing pictures or like, I don't know if Google translate was a popular application back then. I, yeah, the smartphones were just coming in in 2009. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, definitely it's something you, I could use later on. But um, so how I did it was, so here was this object, uh, this vegetable I was looking for. And then with my words in German, I said the equivalent of, I, I want a vegetable okay. or I'm looking for our vegetable and it's orange and you find it in October. <laughs> and she says, ah, kürbis. Yeah. yeah. And she ran with pumpkin. Yeah. And she ran and, and got a pumpkin. And I was like, well, I'm living what I'm teaching my students. <laughs> ah, fantastic. So, fantastic. Did you yeah. travel back home on a, did you, did you visit your family back home every now and then, or like once a year or once every two years? Yeah, I would say it's more once every two years. Okay. I know, I think a lot of American colleagues, they traveled back maybe every year. Mm -hmm. My Australian colleagues were like the Canadians. We understand that the flights are quite expensive and mm -hmm. it's a long, 
longer distance. And mm-hmm. so I would say once every two years. Okay. And then culturally, I mean, navigating the paperwork in Germany, <laughs> this, right. this extreme paperwork and the tax system, all these things you had to get used to. Like what I think, I mean, we have the same thing here mm-hmm. in Canada, but what would take you uh, maybe 10 minutes suddenly would take you half an hour or an hour to fill out a form or read a letter and then you need help then you need help with that mm-hmm. and then your friends tell you oh and these are german friends and they're like oh this is this is different we don't understand this i said how do you mean you don't understand that you speak german well no it's different it's contract language it's just different and it's a formal type language and right so all good advice for anyone moving there is get a good tax uh, accountant a good yeah. tax specialist to help you with your yeah, taxes i've done the same thing i've showed documents from the finance to my german friends and they're like i don't understand what this means and i was like okay i don't either <laughs> yeah exactly you have this exact same you know um experience with that yeah yeah, yeah. but i do have so, a good accountant so you're right that i don't i don't worry about the taxes at all <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's good when you can find that out early. So, um, you know, so these kind of things that, you know, it was taking you longer to to do the things that took you a very short time. Sure. Okay. So in 2018, you returned to Canada. Like what? Can I ask why? Why did you go back? You said you went back for family family reasons. What have you been doing in Canada for the last couple of years then? Oh, yeah. So I've also been teaching English as a second language. Okay. Yeah. Students who tend to be largely from South America. Okay. Yeah. So, and yeah, I still continue my teaching until you, the pandemic. Did, of course. Are you using the Enlingua books? <laughs> <laughs> no, they have their own textbooks. But I think once you learn the Enlingua method, uh-huh. it always stays with you. Okay, that's, 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 that's good to hear. Yeah, that's a good point. And so I tend to, even though books are structured, they give you a textbook here and it's structured in a certain way mm-hmm. within the classroom, I'll structure my classroom more around the Enlingua method. Do you have, do you have large classroom sizes over there? I think pretty much like... Um, uh well pretty much like how in lingua is some classes are a little bigger but tend to be more smaller not more than not more than 12 people okay or 15 people and some classes tend to be smaller okay and so you know it's is really interesting because when you introduce the vocabulary this is why i talk about that i've always been a storyteller you Mm -hmm. know and I think as an English language trainer, as a teacher, you have to be. Um, so you, ha- you, you develop a character somehow at the front of the classroom. I worked with someone who was from the southern United States. She now mm-hmm. lives in northern Germany. And um, she said she always had her voice, you know, her teacher voice, the mm-hmm. character, which was different from her regular character. I don't know if it's the same with you, Scott, but it's like you have a teacher voice and you your inflection changes and and um, just the way you speak. I keep the same voice, but I definitely have acting skills in the classroom. 
the flow is important. Yeah. And this is why you need to, so you have a character. I, that's exactly how I would describe it. That's exactly how she described it, my colleague. She has, she's a bit of a, an actress. We all mm -hmm. have to be. And then, um, and then that flow is important. So that's where the storytelling, sorry, my phone is ringing. That's okay. And that's where that storytelling comes in to create that flow. So it's in how you introduce the lesson, even for your classroom management, mm -hmm. um, for the conversation activities, and you're introducing the units and summarizing and um, or reviewing the units. Mm -hmm. And it requires imagination sometimes, and that's where the storytelling comes in. Okay. So when, when John first you know, said, hey, Scott, like, we want to interview Joni, and she has something called a micro story. And I was like, okay, John, that sounds like a great idea, but what's a micro story? So this is something new to me, and I'm super interested in, in hearing what it is and how you use it in the classroom. So hopefully I can also incorporate this in my own teaching activities. Oh, right. So, I mean, we all know of short stories mm -hmm. and they're great Canadian writers, you know, uh, Alice Monroe or Carol Shields. And um, they've written wonderful short stories, which are just like kind of like vignettes um, mm -hmm. of life, usually generally very in the community, social. But it's even shorter than a short story. A short story is a few pages. Mm -hmm. um, so a micro story tends to be um, about hundred words less than 300 words mm -hmm. and um it's a it's a mini story that expresses like one interesting thoughts or idea okay so you and it's it's, and it's fast and it's easy for people to read okay they can ease they can instantly understand it immediately share it and give the feedback and then they can dream about it and feel that they can you know have new ideas mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and then it's structured in a certain way. Um, their smaller narratives tend to be faster and leaving out like unnecessary words. You know, we teach in, 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 um, and in lingua different um, adverbs or adverbs of frequency, you know, always, very, and so on. And these are the words you want to leave out of a micro story because you okay. only have a short space in which to do it. And so I call on my background um, as a writer for television and I wrote continuity scripts and they would give you timed sort of timed slots that you had to write the most amount of information in the least space in the least amount of space. Mm -hmm. So to write the most amount of information in the least amount of space um, and you have 30 seconds, 60 seconds in which to do an, in, an intro or an extra, it's called, where you introduce an item and create the flow with the next item. And uh, so very important to have this skill, which, which I developed. What can you write in 10 seconds? Um, we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. That's, that could take up less than 10 seconds. So having this feeling of giving myself this space to write something that's like um, narrative uh, mm -hmm. with enough information, but being economical with my time. So the micro story appealed to me from, from that standpoint. Okay. And um, yeah, it's, 
you may have heard of flash fiction, which is even shorter. You can flash fiction. In fact, the first, I read somewhere that the first flash fiction story, which is basically six words, was written by Ernest Hemingway. Okay. And it had six words and it was for sale, baby shoes, never worn. And the sequel to that story was for hire, giant baby, very amusing. <laughs> so, okay, I'm, I'm not doing flash fiction, but the micro story, I have a micro story of 161 words. So yeah. can it be about any topic that you want it to be? Yeah, it can be about any topic. Um, you can choose, usually it's a, a word or an idea. Mm -hmm. So you kind of generally build this narrative around um, a, you know, a central um, theme. Okay. And um, what, what are some of the central themes yeah, that you draw it's from? It's a couple like... of words. It, it expresses an interesting thought. So let's say you, you had an interesting thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's say you had an interesting thought and you say, oh, okay, I wonder what a purple elephant would look like, purple elephant. Okay. We had an interesting thought, you know, that you read something that you said, I wonder how that works. Mm -hmm. Or you looked out the window and you saw, you know, an interesting exchange between people. Okay. So, yeah, it's expressing that, in, that interesting thought that you have. So this is really pushing creativity. Yeah, so it pushes creativity, and it it um it allows you to use words in an economical way, and so then you almost have to. So all the words then we're teaching the linguist students mm -hmm. might have to um, teach them to uh, eliminate those words, but there's that negative space because in teaching them to eliminate the words, they're learning the words they have to eliminate. Yeah, that's true. Is it? I, it, I, when you say like, when you, the way that you're describing it now, I'm thinking about like a poetry blast. Yeah. Someone exactly. on stage, like, you know, you've got 30 seconds, you know, you got a minute, yeah. like get it out, get your point out. Like, and it, like, it doesn't have to be, like you said, there's no rhyming structure, right? No, no rhyming structure. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good way to think of it. Okay. Like a poetry blast. You could get it out there. Yeah. Are you using this with your students from South America right now? Well, it's an interesting experiment. I mean, I've just been developing it. Uh -huh. So I like you, like if you're going to venture into into doing that, I'm going to venture into doing that and we can compare notes on that. So you don't need all all those extra words. I mean, of course, it's grammatically correct, but you don't need all those extra words. Like I found mm. an example on the internet of the kind of no, extra words. Okay, what about adjectives? Are adjectives important? Well, um, yes Possibly, and no, but right? the right, yeah. it, yes, but but choice adjectives uh -huh. and not like these kind of filler words um, that kind of hijack your your thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. or your sentences. So I found an example on the internet where it says, I read it out. Mm -hmm. I think that quite probably you can begin to understand clutter by actually finding it in your prose yourself. Sure. So those are all the words that you probably wouldn't use, you know, right. these kind of words. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, there's an article 
and it's called 44 words to seek and destroy okay and basically it's the type of words that people generally fill their not only stories but essays or reports with that may not be necessary uh-huh. and i remember in the classroom especially in more advanced or business um, classes teaching people that you know using the right words because there's such a such a richness of vocabulary mm-hmm. that they're learning through the in lingua method and using the right words and not necessarily using these smaller words that kind of maybe take away from sort of a more efficient or unique way of expressing yourself you know okay so if you immediately want to sound advanced in English, you've got to use the better words. How many of these micro stories have you written? Well, I've, I've written about three so far. Okay. But the one that I'm choosing today is called The Purple Elephants. Ah. <laughs> and I just have this idea about the brain, you know, and how the brain works. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying it out in a story with this character, the purple elephant. Are you, are you ready to read it? Yes. <laughs> so I'll try and read it as clearly as possible. If you need me to re-say anything, then I will. Let's mm-hmm. take a little drink of water. Uh, so this is the purple elephant written by Joni. The purple elephant. Seattle's Pike Place Market is the home of the purple store labeled the quirky shop for all things purple. It sells purple only items. It's open from 9.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. and sometimes later. If I, the purple elephant, stand still in the middle of the store, you will never see me. Like royalty in the inner sanction of the forbidden city, untouched. Do I attract your attention or hold it? If the brain has too many things to look at, it has to work harder and then it has to decide. Is it worth the energy to understand this object? Too much of a demanding exercise is never a good thing. Neither is nothing much happening here attention will slip and you will begin to look at something else. Just for a few minutes, a purple elephant can stand still in the center of a purple store and you will never see him. Impressive. Really creative, a little abstract, definitely for a higher language learner, like a beat. Like a like a B like a low like a high B one low B two, so is it a real store in Seattle? Yeah, it is a real store, and uh, they have it online. And the there is one location, physical location in Seattle. Okay. And apparently, it was thought to be an idea that would never work, but seventeen years later, it's still in business. Okay. And they sell all purple things. And I wanted to connect that with the idea that the, uh, of how the brain works. Um, what, do, what do you mean by that? How the brain works? 
Well, I mean, it's just um, our mechanism. Well, the eyes see, but the, the brain processes that sight. And in order for us to have our center, in order to see things in color mm-hmm. through our center vision. And I don't know if you ever experienced the idea that when you are trying to look up things, if, for example, you, you hit a website that overcrowded with information. Mm-hmm. And you scroll through and you scroll through and it just becomes too much. So you either leave the website or you click on another hyperlink. Or, and so the brain and how it processes information and how it's able to, to handle that information influences um, um, from a marketing perspective, how we shop. And so okay. I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of somehow touch upon that idea. And I liked the idea of being a purple elephant that no one would see. Inside the were... store. I like that idea. Yeah. That's that's the other question I was going to ask. Like, who is the purple elephant? That is interesting. I, you know, I had, a, I asked myself this after I wrote it. And um, that would be for people to, to decide who is the purple elephant. Okay. It's not me. I mean, that's, uh, that's the beauty of the exercise, right? I mean, that's, that's the interpretation of the reader. Yes. This is a, this is more poetic and it is more abstract. Yeah. And you do have to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But if you, but there, I chose to be abstract, but Mm -hmm. um, even if you have a sort of more limited um, vocabulary, I think it could still work and you could talk about real things. Like I've seen examples of micro stories and, and they're not all abstract. They, mm-hmm. they might just deal with one specific thing in their reality within the world. Okay. And yeah, so that. Like we should write a micro story about Germans and their appointments. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that would be great. Listen, can you write that micro story and share it with me? We can write, write one together. That was a great idea. I like that idea. Or, uh, there's, there, there's so many different ideas, right? So yeah. could you adapt maybe something uh, for like a A to B1-ish, like... Maybe the students that you're teaching right now. What what's the level of English the, to the students that you're teaching right now? Um, yeah, I would say it's probably B one. Okay. Um, some are. I've had a couple of advanced classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so would be uh, B two. Maybe like something something a something a little less abstract. It would be one student, a B one classroom. That that should be that should work fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think the uses of it, like other than like, I don't know. I mean, if you had a creative writing class or just a creative writing class that day or that week, right? This would be a good exercise. Um, yeah. I mean, or you present the vocabulary and you have the vocabulary. Let's say it's a one a one B class. I think they could do it. Like some people, if they're a high one B mm-hmm. um, and you present the vocabulary and you want them to be able to use the words in order to remember the words. So you haven't, okay, so you've written three micro stories. Are you publishing them? Like, 
on your social media accounts or do you have a, you know, is this something that you want to get out there to the world or like, what's your, what's your goal in this? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you're, you, um, you're given a, an opportunity, which is to do this interview Mm -hmm. and coinciding in that, like on sort of, uh, um, um, another path you're developing in a certain way so Mm -hmm. I just started um working on these stories and then I got this opportunity and I thought oh now my paths could kind of converge in some way Mm -hmm. and so somehow it's kind of been the uh motivation for me to to grow this thing and I, and I have started thinking, yeah, how can I present it? I could, I could do a podcast where I just do micro stories. Um, right. And how, how could I work with it? You could publish a book on micro stories. Uh, you could do some sort of training manual on how to incorporate them into the classroom. Um, uh, there's, there's lots of different ways you could go about this. Um, yeah coffee house micro story nights or something i that's what i yeah. I, I keep i keep going back to poetry blast right like on stage yes like at, yeah. a co- at your favorite coffee house you know yeah. you and in, you invite all your students up you know the ones that have written like micro stories and like they present it and then you have small small group discussion like you know and then maybe a a q a session with the author like okay yeah. this what did i mean by that well this is what i meant well how did you understand it and then Again, it's fr- yep. from a from a language perspective. I mean, that's fantastic when you have people yeah. discussing different ideas. Yeah, exactly. And and what you say that Q and A and it's practicing asking and answering questions. Yeah, of course. Great. Uh, it's a it's a great idea. Um, mechanically, I think you're on you're onto something. Um, yeah, maybe this is something you should turn into your own podcast or turn into your own YouTube channel, right? Like having people read yeah. micro stories from around the world, like as an ESL activity. And then you can get into like more of like the grammatical aspects of it if you want to, or, you know, the creativity aspects of it. I mean, it's, yes. it's, there's, it's limitless, right? I mean, that's, that's the beauty of today's online world. Yeah, exactly. But could, Punctuation but you could, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could target, you could specifically use it as an ESL like focus. Yes. If you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. That's up to, and it's that's up to you. Yeah. Exactly. And it's something current and fresh. You know, sometimes people, it feels intimidating. Okay, let's write a story about that, you know, or mm-hmm. let's write an essay. But if you say we're going to do a micro story where we take a certain amount of words, even collectively as a group of students, where mm-hmm. we just collect words and then everybody has to use the words in the same way, or, or maybe some of them start a story and pass it to the next person who continues it and the next person on and collectively as a class too. So it's not as intimidating for someone who is maybe in a lower learning level, like at right. a 1B level or something. Right. So I could see like, yeah, give like 10 or 15 vocabulary words, introduce those vocabulary yeah. words, however you want to, to introduce them. Um, yeah. Maybe have a theme, right? Just yeah. a little bit of guidance. Yes. And, and let, let students take off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, language level is going to be important here, but you're right, it's not restrictive, 
that's the that's no. the point so yeah yeah and there's always the amount of like you know that scott right and in, in the classroom there's always the amount of um how much assistance do you give the mm -hmm. ones that need it more and to sort of like set it up so that they have a good foundation and sort of coach them through it so it's just important is the exercise like the process not so mm -hmm. much the result necessarily but process is important too do you have a presence online well i think i'm gonna have to create one now i think if you're... I, I don't even have a facebook page <laughs> i mean that's i mean that's you know that's the discussion that you need to have yeah with yourself um but if you're willing to put yourself out there right yes. i think uh yeah i think it's just how far you're willing to go and how much you know it's it's a great idea it's just like and there's an audience for it it's just it it takes a lot of work to make those connections online um, yeah and but you know it sounds fantastic yeah i don't see why you can't do that i, I think you've i think you've you've got something if you if you you know if you just work at it a little bit harder um yeah you can grow it wow yeah. that's that's encouraging to hear so but you've written a book i haven't written a book but i wrote a lot of prose like in a village in central asia with candlelights and no you know i mean i've, I've got a lot of depressive angry political <laughs> like micro stories <laughs> okay <laughs> well yeah, we everything is a micro story. <laughs> everything can be a micro story. But it's, you know, it's uh I think it's a great idea. You know, I'd never heard about it and 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 now I, you know, you've read a nice beautiful micro story and like I can see I can see where you can take this. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. You have that you have that vision. I have some good qualities in teaching and I think creativity is one of those. Um Yeah. And it's kind of, you get, you, you know, you can get, you know, you can get stuck in that rut. You know, you, you really have to stay on top of your game in the ESL world. And a lot of people don't understand that, right? Like, you exactly. know, you, you have to bring it not every day because that's almost impossible, but um, students know when you're not trying that hard, you know, I mean, like, they yeah, can they can see right through that. They can see where, oh, you just looked at this 10 minutes before you walked in the door. You know, I and, <laughs> you know, I'm guilty of that, too, as well. But I mean, I also I like to I like to do preparation, you know, because yeah. um, it's a job. You know, that's what it is. It's a job. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, uh, there are always those days where, you you know, you can do more more preparation than others. But, yeah, the, it, you know, for authenticity, the students, as you said, can always sense that. Mm -hmm. and they want to remain current that's why my growth as uh when i think of that how i started out mm -hmm. in 2009 my growth as a teacher was always in line with my growth as a person within mm -hmm. the community in my life in hala you know and bringing some of what i was doing into the classroom and some of what i was doing in the classroom out into the world so it just became very interconnected it's uh, yeah. a nice that's a nice it's a it's a very nice way to to state it. So, are you planning to come back to Germany once? Yes. That, so then, we, okay. Yeah. So then we'll have to sit in a coffee house in in Berlin and 
and, mm-hmm. and read and trade micro stories <laughs> or just can, stories in general. You never know what can happen. Exactly. And, and that's, that's always been my approach. You start with something and follow it and, and then mm-hmm. see where it grows, you know? And um, yeah, there's some, some nice places in Hala, nice coffee houses and mm-hmm. so on. And, and I know some venues because I used to, I used to be, uh, I also did some booking as a booker. positions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But those are whole other stories. I don't think we have time for all those stories. Well, I can see, I, like you said in the beginning of the podcast, like you you wrote for television. I can see where you be you would have a talent for the micro story, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Sort of the same kind of like thinking process, almost. It's it, mechanically speaking, not with the creativity and the and the and the, and yeah. the adjectives and the meaning, but just like okay, I need it. I need to say it in this amount of, just like you said it, in this amount of words, in this amount of time. Perfect. Exactly. That's a good way of saying it, the mechanics, because mm-hmm. I don't have time. I can't put the word very in there. Mm-hmm. So I need a better word that is, explains the fullness of it right. because I just have one second left. <laughs> so, and so on. Well, yeah. uh, can we wrap it up? Is that okay? Yeah, I think as long as you're, are you happy with, with uh, what you've got? I mean. Okay. Well, listen, uh, thank you. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, it's nice. It's nice meeting you for the first time, yeah, nice maybe for the second time. Right. And um, <laughs> for the second time, we yeah. have to say it's nice meeting you for the second time. Second time. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation and. Uh, oh, I did too. Yeah. When you come to Germany, I think we definitely need to get together and work on a project. Yeah. That'd be nice. Fantastic. That's a plan. Okay. I so enjoyed our session. So I wish you to have a good weekend. Thank you very much. And have you too also have a very nice weekend. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy, and um, we'll talk soon. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Okay, Scott. Perfect. Bye now. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. Thank you for listening to Enlingua Podcast, live from Dessau. We hope you stay tuned for more episodes.